Good morning. Welcome to Fellowship of Huntsville. If you are visiting with us this morning, we'd love to hear from you and get a little information. So there's a card that uh, is underneath the seat in front of you, a connection card. You can fill that out and turn it in. If you want to turn it in physically, you can do it in the box in the back. It's between the two main doors there, which is also where we take offerings. So if you want to give to this ministry, uh, then that's where you can do it as well. There's other options out there, but that's one that you can, you can use. And if you've been gone here for a while and you want to know more about this church, then you can also fill out that card and ask questions. Also, you can put prayer requests on there. And, um, and we'll get that and sent out to, to others to pray for you or whatever we need to pray for. So we're going to be looking at Psalm 62. Uh, CF's going to be teaching uh, Psalm 62, another Psalm of David. And so I'm going to start in, uh, in verse 1. There's 12, 12 verses to this psalm. Truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense, and I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you attack a man? You shall be slain, all of you, like a leaning wall or a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his high position, and they delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense, and I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Surely men of low degree are a vapor, and men of high degree are a lie. If they are weighed on the scales, they are altogether lighter than vapor. Do not trust in oppression, nor vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. God has spoken once, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. Also to you, O Lord, belongs mercy, for you render to each one according to his work. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are, and I thank you for your majesty. I thank you how your word speaks to that constantly. And I pray, Lord, that we will recognize that each and every day throughout the entire day to understand who you are, that we are but a vapor, that we are very insignificant as to the whole scope of your creation, but yet you love us so dearly. Pray, Lord, that we will worship you in your reverence. Pray for CF this morning that he will... Come to speak your words, and Lord, that word will change us and move us, and that we will be motivated to continue to seek after you. And we say this in your name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. If you have your Bibles, open it to Psalm 62. It's going to be our text for today. We looked last week at the subject of being overwhelmed. And so this week, what we're going to look at is David's resource and how he is going to make application of the truth that is there. Uh, this provides stability in his life. Where does stability come from? Whereas the scripture's title says, where's your hope? Clearly, your hope should be in God. 
But how do you do that? How do you hope in God? What does that mean? How is that, how is that seen in your life? How is it done? And that's what we're going to take a look at today. So uh, let's pray, and then we'll look at the scriptures, okay? Father, we come before your throne of grace, thanking you, Lord, for this day, for it is a day that you have made, and we're grateful for it, and we will rejoice in it. And we just pray, God, that as we are here this morning, that we'd receive the truth of your word, that you would help me to deliver your word in a right and proper way that's clear and understandable, and that people can take and apply, that you would give them wisdom and application of the word, guide them in it, and that you'd keep me from error in the instruction of it. And so, Father, I thank you for this opportunity and for what is before us, and I ask this of you in Christ's name, Lord. Amen. As we look at this passage of Scripture, David begins by stating what his position is. And by position, I mean what is the set of his mind. He says in verse 1, he says, Truly, my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. The word there, moved, means shaken or, or afraid or scared or whatever you want to put. Uh, to, to have instability in a person's life, uncertainty. The, the phrase that is popular in our generation would be, I won't be stressed out. That would be a word that I hear a lot of people use. I'm stressed out. That's another way to, to put it. Why would David be like that? What is, what's going on in David's life? Well, in verses 3 and 4, it tells us what's happening in his life. He says in verse 3, he says, How long will you attack a man? You shall be slain, all of you. What he is addressing there is his opposition. You know, when you read this passage and he talks in verse two and he says, speaking of God, he says, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. And then you read verse three, how long will you attack a man? You think, was he talking about God? Is God attacking him? Does he see God as being as an attacker? No, he's just stating his position towards the people that are opposing him. And he says, you shall be slain, all of you, like a leaning wall and a tottering fence, meaning they have no foundation, no stability. A leaning wall, something you could just push right over, tottering fence, no protection whatsoever. It's a picture of instability is what it is. Then he says, They're only, they only consult to cast him down from his high position talking about David. Then he, then he says, they delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. He's talking about his enemies right there. And what they were trying to do, verse 4, they were gathering together and having a conference to have David removed as king. That's what they mean when it says, cast him down from his high position. He's the king of Israel. And so it's very likely that his opposition at this time was Absalom, just like I told you last week. 
uh, decay from within. But David had a lot of enemies, a lot of people after him because he was a warrior. And when in the position he's in, you know, he, he slayed a lot of people on the battlefield. And so there'd be a lot of people that were connected to that. You know, cousins, uncles, nieces, nephews, family lines of just multitude upon multitude of people that want to see him removed. Well, he also, within his own kingdom and his own position of authority, he had people that were against him. And so when he says, they consult to cast him down from his high position, they were trying to remove him as king. They delight in lies. So what they were doing, they were saying false things about him. They blessed with their mouth and they cursed inwardly. They were flattering David. They would tell good things to him, but then he knew under behind his back or off to the side, they were scheming on how to get rid of him. And he knew that. So he had all this going on in his life. And you may have encountered that in your life where you have people that are after you. They're planning against you, scheming against you, trying to bring you down. What does it do to your life? It creates a lot of turmoil, creates a lot of chaos. Okay, but what I want you to see in the psalm this morning is whatever that may be that's going on in his life, and I believe it was people that were after him, trying to remove him, lying about him, all this other kind of stuff. It could be any problem in your life, any situation that is overwhelming you or is creating instability in your mind. It could be financial, it could be health, it could be it could be any number of things. I hate to even say that because someone would say, well, he didn't mention what I'm going through, but I will in this sense. It can be anything that is bringing stress or problems to your life. How do you deal with it? How do you deal with these major problems, okay? The first thing David does, if you'll notice there in verse 1, he says, truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. What David is saying there is that he is not complaining against God. One of the things that creates problems in our life is we have unrealistic expectations. We have unrealistic expectations for other people. We have unrealistic expectations for life. We don't have a biblical worldview when it comes to life. We live in a fallen world. A world that is inundated with sin. And so many times when bad things happen, we'll make comments like, well, how could something like that happen? And what that says about us is we have expectations that it shouldn't happen that way. Okay? Why would that person say that about me? We have unrealistic expectations that people are only going to say good things about us. So many times... In life, we build up expectations and those expectations aren't met and it creates problems for us. And what David says, he says, I silently wait for God because from him comes my salvation. What David is not doing is complaining about his situation. He's not whining about it. He's not having a pity party or uh, what, however you want to put it. Note what he says in verse 1. He says, from him comes my salvation. You see the word salvation in Scripture. There's a tendency to think of salvation from sin or eternal salvation. Or as we hear in the southern part of the United States, have you been saved? And we talk about salvation in the sense of justification. Salvation 
as it's used, means deliverance. My deliverance. That's what he's saying. That from God, from him, comes my deliverance. In other words, if I want to be delivered from this situation, my only hope is God. And he says, I'm waiting on that. So he's solid in that view right there. Verse 2, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. Yet again, a rock speaks of stability, a sure platform, not something unstable like sand or cobblestone area or something. He's talking about something solid, secure, that he can plant his feet on and he's secure in. He's not going to be moved. He is my deliverance. And then he says, he is my defense. Some translations will say strong tower. So what David is saying is this. If you wanted to summarize verse 2, God is my source of strength. God is what provides stability in my life. And then as I stated previously, verses 3 and 4 deals with the opposition that he's facing. What's the problem in his life? So we're going to move to verse 5. And in verse 5, we're going to start seeing how does David deal with this problem in his life? What is David's approach to the problem? Verse 5, my soul. Now, he said soul in verse 1. And he says soul again in this passage here. What does he mean by soul? Well, think of soul like this. The most common translation of the word soul means your personhood, your existence, who you are. So what David is saying there, he's simply saying, I. That's what he's saying. When he says, my soul, he's just simply saying, I, David, wait silently for God alone. Notice the exclusionary note there, alone. His only hope is in God. His only security is in God. He says, for my expectation is from him. Expectation means hope. My hope is from God. Okay? That is the foundation of our life, folks. Our hope in life is God. Where is your hope? Hopefully your hope is in God. Because that is the only hope that's there. Everything else in the world is nothing but instability. Put your hope in God. Put your trust in God. So what David is opening that statement with, he's saying, I'm waiting for God. So he acknowledges God as his source of strength. God is his hope. And that's what he's placing his trust in, is in God. He only is my rock and my salvation, he is my defense. I shall not be moved. Uh, many translations put that statement, I shall not be shaken. What that means is stirred up, disquieted, uh, having a sense of anxiety, uh, all those kind of things. What David is saying is my source of strength and stability in life rests solely with God and is sure in God, and secure in God. And that's what I wait for. That is where I put my trust. Bottom line is this. Our hope, our security, 
our peace in life rests in our relationship with God. When you stare at your problem, if you focus on your problem, you are going to have mental instability. That's all there is to it. Because your problem will become bigger than the solution. The solution is God. He's going to tell us why he trusts in God. And he tells us in many other places in Scripture. He says in this passage, verse 7, In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Verse 7, my soul wait silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. You notice how many times he uses the word my in that passage. In verses 5 through 7, he uses my nine times. Now, what does that tell you? That tells you that David views God as his personal source of strength. You can use that personal claim to God, too, if you're in a relationship with him. That's one of the unique things about Christianity. Most religion speaks of God in a general or abstract sense. The, the word of God speaks of God in a personal sense. And that's one of the unique things about Christianity. Because you're redeemed, because you have been justified, because you have imputed righteousness, because you have been reconciled, all these theological truths add up to a position where it brings you in right standing with God. Because of your position in Christ, God is your personal God. You have a personal relationship with Him. God is not an abstract figure in your life. If you've trusted in Christ and you believe in God and Jesus Christ has born you again and your human spirit has been brought alive and God's spirit resides within you, God is in personal relationship with you. That's a unique thing about Christianity. All religion tries to do is appease a deity of some kind. I can appease him through my obedience. I can appease him through sacrifice. I can appease him through certain actions that I do. But all I'm trying to do is make God happy to where God will smile upon me in a right way. Christianity views that completely different. Christianity says there is nothing you can do. There's nothing you can sacrifice. There is no way that you can appease God. The only way that can be done is God has to do it for himself. And what God does is he comes to earth through the incarnation. He lives a perfect life. He goes to the cross and bears all of our sins, is buried and or dies and is buried and is raised again. And God says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. God is satisfied in what the Son does. And that's what we call substitutionary atonement. God has substituted himself in your place to bear the penalty and cost of your sin to bring you into a proper standing with himself. That's what he has done. That is a very simple explanation of what God's done. Therefore, as a result of that, God becomes your personal God. You have a personal relationship with Him. You can come to God anytime you want to. Not because you're a good person or 
or God likes you or something, you come by the merits of Jesus Christ. You come by the blood of Christ. You come before him and you are accepted in him, in Christ. You are accepted. And so God is your personal God. And because God is your personal God, you need to be developing your personal relationship with him. You need to be spending time talking to him, praying to him, uh, interacting with God. All that kind of stuff is extremely important. Because the familiarity with God, that's what we talk about when we talk about a daily relationship with God or a daily walk with God. If your daily walk with God is weak, then your ability in a time of stress is going to be weak too. Because it goes back to the old principle. You will, you will what, they, what they teach you in training, they said you will fight like you are trained. That's what it is. And you will face trials in life as you are trained. If you don't know how to rely upon God day by day, when something big comes, you're going to be overwhelmed by it. You have to develop that personal relationship with God, that personal walk with God, spending time with God in prayer, talking to God in prayer. And that's what David has done. He says, uh, verse 7, in God is my salvation. In other words, my deliverance is in God and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Now, what David's doing here is he's talking to himself, beginning in verse 5, where he says, My soul shall, shall, shall wait silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He is my only rock. He's talking to himself is what he's doing. David does that a lot in Scripture. Now, that is not a reference to the idea that, that David is losing his mind. A lot of people say, well, if you talk to yourself, you're crazy. Well, you see in Scripture where, where David in particular talks to God all the time and talks to himself. Let me show you some places where he does that. Look with me, if you would, at Psalm 27. Psalm 27. He says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David is speaking to the truth about who God is. Then go to Psalm 42. Let me show you a usage in Psalm 42. Psalm 42. I'm the right verse. 42 verse 5. He says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Look at uh, verse 11, same Psalm. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. David is talking directly to himself. Look at Psalm 43, the very next Psalm. Look at verse five. 
Very similar passage. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me, hope in God? For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Sometimes it's very helpful to talk to yourself, to instruct yourself. Um, I do it quite frequently myself. I'll ask myself a question, what are you doing, fool? <laughs> because I'm doing something independent of God. Why are you afraid? Why are you acting like this? Why are you responding like this? Addressing yourself in a conversation is a way to get you to focus better. Listening to yourself quite often will cause more anxiety. What I'm saying is listening to your mind. Why? Because fears and all that stuff comes from your soul, comes from your flesh, and it can cause you to start doubting God. So what you need to do many times is vocalize externally to yourself the truth of God. And that's what David is doing here. That is a healthy exercise to talk to yourself the truth about God, to speak encouragement to yourself, to speak strength to yourself. And you can do that by quoting scripture to yourself. But David, all through this psalm, what he is doing is he's getting his focus where it needs to be. Because when there's a problem in your life, the tendency is to focus on that problem and the magnitude of that problem. Then as you sit there quietly and think about it, the old fleshly mind gets control and you'll reach a place of despair or despondency. That's what that's what will happen quite often in a heart. So you have to stop and redirect your attention and redirect your focus. That's what David does. He tells us in verse eight, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before him. Now, hang on a second. He says in verse one, truly, my soul silently waits for God. And then in verse five, he says, my soul Wait silently for God alone, where he's speaking to himself. And then when you move down here in verse 8, he says, pour out your heart before him. So what do we need to do? Do we need to be silent or do we need to pour ourselves out? Well, the being silent there is, it's an acknowledgement of David's submission to God. When he says, I was silent before God. What are you saying is I'm not complaining. I'm not voicing opposition. I'm recognizing God's position of authority and I'm bringing myself under it. That's what that's a reference to. So you recognize God's authority in your life. You bring yourself under that authority. Then you cast your care to God. New Testament passage. I quote it quite often. First Peter five, seven. I'll read it to you. First Peter five and seven says this. Cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. That's what we're supposed to do in life. So when you're overburdened, the first thing you do is you bring yourself under the submission of God. You do that by acknowledging God's sufficiency. You're my refuge. You're my strength. You're my source of hope. And you alone will I trust God. And you instruct yourself in that manner. Then you cast your care upon him. You pour out your heart to God. You tell him what the situation is. And all that is, it's not to inform God of what's going on. God is omniscient. He knows what's going on. The purpose of casting our care upon God is for us to recognize that we're, we're giving it to God and then we trust him for the answer. It takes the burden off of us. Because when the burden's on us, we're trying to figure out a way 
to, as you say in Texas, fix the problem. And we can't fix it. There's no way we can fix it. Only God can do that. Why? Because if you could fix it, you had already done so. The problem's overwhelming. So it's a matter of trusting in God. And the way you trust in God is by constantly renewing your mind through Scripture that speaks of the sufficiency of God. The passage that I read you earlier in 27.1, let's look at it again, but it's a very important passage. David is reaffirming truth about God. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Okay? Light means He's my guidance for life. Salvation, He is my deliverance for life. Whom shall I fear? In other words, if God is guiding my life and God is there to deliver my life, why should I be afraid? The Lord is the strength of my life. My strength is not upon myself or upon external things. My strength is upon Him. Of whom shall I be afraid? Look at uh, Psalm 118. Go to Psalm 118, verse 14. Psalm 118, verse 14. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my deliverance. That's what he's saying. And then look at Psalm 121. 121 one says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Here comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who has made heaven and earth. Now, focus on that passage for a minute. If God has made heaven and earth, and he has, what is too big for God? Nothing. Your problem, my problem in life, nothing to him. Absolutely nothing. You've got to be able to keep life in perspective, folks. You're talking to the creator of heaven and earth. He is very capable of resolving or solving any problem in your life. Now, understand this also. God many times does not remove that problem, but he will give you the strength to endure that problem. He will give you the strength. You've got to trust him. I think a lot of people have a false expectation that by casting your care on God and seeking God that he's going to remove the problem. Then when he doesn't, people say things like, well, God didn't hear me or God didn't answer my prayer. Why isn't God doing this? Or in extreme cases, God is unfaithful or things such as that, which are heretical. What God does do is he gives you the strength to incur. Did God deliver David from his situation? Is my mic on? No, Okay. I was just making sure you're asleep. I was, I was just wondering. Uh, what David is doing is he's reaffirming his faith is what he's doing. He's reaffirming his position before God. He's putting the care to God, but at the same time, he's acknowledging, man, my hope comes from God. He's got a proper perspective. You've got to have the proper perspective. The problem is nothing to God. The issue and stability in our life is, am I focusing on the problem or am I focusing on God? Because God is the solution and God is our hope. The problem just creates turmoil. So you've got to cast that care to God and trust in God. How do you trust in God? You constantly speak to yourself truths about God's stability and strength. In David's life, did God take his enemies out of the way? 
No. David continued to dodge and run and hide from his enemies, but God gave him strength and confidence through that. He had stability through it. That's what we're after in life is stability. Well, David goes on and he says, what you shouldn't trust in. What is a source of false security? Look at verse 9. Surely men of low degree are vapor. That means people that are low in society. He says they're a vapor. What's a vapor? It's a breath of air. They, they have no strength to them. They have no support to them. Men of high degree are a lie. In other words, just because someone's got a position of power or strength in the world we live in doesn't necessarily mean they have that power or strength. It's an illusion many times. True strength and power resides with God. What God's saying is people can't help you. People are not, don't look to people. And one of the things people do all the time, they look to people, uh, especially many of the troubles we face in our society today. People are thinking, boy, if we could just get the right people in office. That's not the solution. The solution is if people's hearts will become submitted to God. That's the solution. Our nation needs a spiritual awakening, folks. We need a spiritual revival in our country because it does not matter who you put in power. Man is incapable of solving the problems that we're faced with. Don't trust in man. Put your trust and your hope in God and pray for God to deliver our nation and to deliver the leaders of our nation so we might find stability. That's what you do. Your hope is in God. Our, our, our strength comes from God. And so he says, don't put your hope in man. If they are weighed in balances, they are altogether lighter in vapor. So he says, you take the most powerful people in the society to the weakest people in the society and everyone all together and put them on a balance beam with the problems that you face. He said, they're like a vapor. There's nothing to them. It's just like air. There's nothing to them. Then he says, verse 10, do not trust in oppression nor vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. What's he saying? Do not trust in men. Don't trust in crime. And don't trust in riches. Well, there's not a man-made thing out there that can offer you true hope. That's what he's saying, folks. Don't think that you can get advantage or get back at somebody. Don't put your hope in that. Don't put your hope in doing something dishonest. And don't put your hope in external resources. He said these things are worthless, verse 10. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. God has spoken once. Twice I've heard this, that power belongs to God. See, the strength and power resides in God. And so what's his conclusion? Also to you, O Lord, belongs mercy. In other words, God is loving, merciful, and kind towards his people. For you render to each one according to his work. This is the situation. If there's oppression, problems, stuff, trust me. God will deal with it. Nobody will do something unjust, improper, and get away with it. Nobody does. You say, well, there's nothing happening to them. You don't know what's going on in their mind and their heart. You don't know. 
God says they won't get away with it. Don't worry about that. And that's a lot of times our biggest fear. Because on my enemies, I don't want to just be delivered from my enemies. I want to see them suffer immensely and very slowly in the process. That's where true satisfaction comes from. I want you to suffer, and I'm praying that it's prolonged. That's where we are, right? That's the way we think. What's he saying? Don't worry about that. Let God deal with it. God will deal with it, okay? Where do you put your trust? He says, for you render to each one according to his work. What's that mean? It means this, folks, that if you focus on your problems and you focus on the situation, you know what you're going to get back? You're going to get back anxiety. He's going to render to you according to your work. If they are doing something evil to you, what's going to happen? They're going to get back what they're deserving of. What we need to be focused on, what's going to happen to me if I don't trust in God? I'm going to suffer anxiety and consequences of what unfaithfulness brings to my life. But if I put my trust and confidence in God, then what am I going to have? I'm going to have security, stability, and hope for life. So what we have to focus on is the solution to life's problems, not the problem in life. The problem, you can focus on that all day, and you're not going to be successful in being delivered from it. You've got to focus upon God. You've got to focus upon the fact that He is your strength. And so what you do, take some of these passages that I read today, and, and when you face dilemmas, say, God, you're my strength. You're my source of hope. You're my rock. You're my salvation. You're my fortress. My help does not come from man. My help comes from you, God, and you I will trust. And you have to make that positive reaffirmation in your mind continually so that you don't dwell on the problem. It's a mental exercise of trusting in God and not trying to just finagle around and deal with the problems in life. Put your hope and trust in Him. Focus on God not necessarily deliverance, but focus on God and His sufficiency and what's God say. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. God will show Himself strong in your life. Put your hope and trust in Him. Let's pray. Father, I don't know what folks before me are faced with in life. I don't know what trials they're faced with, things that are outside of their control, problems, situations, circumstances. But God, we do know this. You are all sufficient. That you created heaven and earth. You are all knowing. You are completely aware of everything in our life. And Father, what we need to do is put our hope and trust in you and lean upon you and believe on you. Help us to be found faithful to do that, Lord. And then, Lord, as I spoke earlier about you being our personal God, there may be people here today that that's not true in their life. They don't have that personal relationship with you. And I just pray, Father, that you would move on their hearts and let them see that you are a hope. You bring salvation. You bring deliverance. And, Father, that they might turn to you by faith, I do pray. So, Lord, we give you this time of worship, and we thank you, God, for all that you've done. 
Father, I pray for each person before me, whatever they're faced with in life, that they would see you are sufficient to sustain and keep them through it. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.